Hello everyone, and welcome to the February 3rd edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm David Jimenez, a partner with Floyd, Scarn and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal ruled that the presumption of maximum earnings for volunteer police officers does not apply to full-time salaried officers. Here's what happened in the case of Larkin versus WCAB and the city of Marysville. Officer Larkin sustained injuries to multiple areas while on the job as a police officer for the city of Marysville. At the time, he had less than maximum earnings, so he claimed that Labor Code Sections 4458.2 and 3362, which specify maximum earning for volunteer police officers, should apply to him as well. Following an expedited hearing, the judge found that these Labor Code Sections applied only to active volunteer police officers, not regularly sworn salaried officers. The WCAB agreed with the reasoning of the trial judge and denied the petition for reconsideration. The Court of Appeal affirmed the WCAB in the published case of John Larkin versus WCAB and the City of Marysville. Court of Appeal said that interpretation of these presumptions would be an absurd result. The police policy underlying these statutes is to encourage public service by providing maximum benefits to volunteers. In a similar case involving volunteer firefighters, the California Supreme Court concluded that these fictitious earnings were created by the legislature to counterbalance any sacrifice of earning power made to engage in volunteer firefighting activity and to provide an incentive to engage in an important public service. The same policy considerations apply to volunteer peace officers. The Court of Appeal concluded that Labor Code Sections 4458.2 and 3362 apply to volunteer peace officers only. The Court of Appeal ruled that the power press exception to the workers' compensation exclusive remedy rule does not apply to the use of removable safety blocks. Here's what happened in the published opinion of Gonzalez versus Seal Methods Incorporated. Gonzalez was severely injured while loading material onto a die in a power press. She sued her employer in civil court under Labor Code Section 4458, known as the Power Press Exception. This section allows an employee to bring an action for damages against the employer if the injury was caused by the knowing removal of or knowing failure to install a point of operation guard on a power press. Gonzalez had been operating the press in manual mode because material had to be moved onto and off of the die by hand. The press was equipped with a two-hand activator system for operation in manual mode. The die would not strike unless the operator used both hands to press buttons located outside the strike zone. There was no evidence that the employer bypassed, removed, or tampered with the two-hand activator system. Nevertheless, the press activated while Gonzalez was loading material onto the die, crushing her hand. SMI moved for summary judgment on the ground that the two-hand activator system was properly installed and activated, and the manufacturer did not specify or require any other point of operation guard. Gonzalez opposed the motion, contending that the operation manual requires the use of safety blocks to physically prevent the machine from striking. The trial court granted employers' motion for summary judgment. 
The Court of Appeal affirmed in the published opinion of Gonzalez v. Seal Methods Incorporated whether the power press exception applies in this case hinges upon whether a safety block is a point of operation guard within the meaning of Labor Code Section 4458. If a safety block is not a point of operation guard, Section 4458 does not apply and a judgment must be affirmed. Section 4558 does not define a point of operation guard. The Court of Appeal concluded that a point of operation guard does not include an unattached device such as a safety block that the worker moves onto and out of the point of operation. The Court was bound by the Supreme Court's directive to construe the power press exception to the exclusivity rule narrowly. Section 4458 applies when an employer fails to attach or removes only those guards or devices designed to protect workers that are capable of being permanently installed by the manufacturer or the employer. The kind of safety block which is not attached to the press and is moved into and out of the point of operation by the worker is not such a guard or device. The Court of Appeal ruled that Labor Code Section 4850 does not require reimbursement for a sheriff's differential pay after return to light duty. Here's what happened in the published opinion of County of Nevada versus WCAB and David Lade. At the time of Lade's injury, he was working a night shift that was entitled, that entitled him to a 5% shift differential pay. He'd been earning the shift differential since 2004. While he was off work, recovering from his injury, he received his regular full pay, including the 5% shift differential as required by Labor Code Section 4850. He was then returned to work and placed on modified duty at the direction of his physician. Deputies on light duty are assigned to the day shift, and thus he did not get the 5% shift differential pay. He claimed that Section 4850 entitled him to the shift differential pay while he was working modified duty on a day shift. The WCJ agreed and reasoned that the county could not change his status from night shift to day shift to avoid indemnification for the shift pay. The Workers' Comp Appeals Board denied reconsideration, but the Court of Appeal reversed the WCAB in the published opinion of County of Nevada versus WCAB and David Lade. The court reasoned that there is nothing in Section 4850 that guarantees a worker anything when he is no longer on leave of absence and is instead back to work. Moreover, there is nothing in Section 4850 that can be reasonably understood to mean that a leave of absence is anything less than being absent from one's employment. The WCAB order denying reconsideration was annulled and the matter was remanded. And now a fraud report. An employee in a whistleblower lawsuit accuses Prime Healthcare Services, which owns several California hospitals, of fraudulent billing practices. The Ontario-based hospital company is accused of overcharging Medicare and Medicaid of more than $50 million over three years. The lawsuit is centered around activities at Alvarado Hospital in San Diego, but also names Desert Valley Hospital in Victorville and several others, Prime Hospitals and Prime Founder and Chairman Dr. Prem Reddy. Prime denies that Alvarado Hospital or any of its 24 other hospitals submitted false claims. 
the whistleblower Karen Bernstein, who was the former director of quality and risk management at Alvarado Hospital, says otherwise. She alleges that top prime executives routinely encouraged hospital staff to admit patients for short stays regardless of whether the patient's medical condition warranted the admission. She alleges that prime purchases floundering hospitals and boost their finances by implementing false claims practices. The claimant alleges that prime executives also instructed staff to exaggerate patient diagnosis and remove references to observation status on hospital admission forms while eliminating internal oversight into decisions regarding inpatient admissions. Bernstein estimates more than, estimates more than $4 million in fraudulent billings and that the alleged fraud likely extended to the company's 24 other hospitals nationwide. Charges were filed against four San Diego businesses, their owners and several employees in workers' compensation fraud, unemployment fraud, and tax evasion. Ten employees of Christina Engineering were indicted for their roles in receiving unemployment benefits at the same time they were being paid cash to work. Marcos Castaneda of Quality Way Building Maintenance was indicted on four counts of felony insurance fraud for his role in intentionally lying about his payroll in order to receive reduced workers' compensation premiums. Rufino Gugliez and his wife Maria Folk of Rufino's Landscaping were indicted on several counts of insurance fraud, payroll tax evasion, and income tax evasion for their roles in failing to report payroll to various workers' compensation insurance carriers and tax collectors. More fake doctors are being prosecuted in San Diego County. 61-year-old Robert Oldham Young and 32-year-old Rocio Rosie Placencia of Valley Center have been charged with conspiracy to practice medicine without a license and multiple counts of grand theft. Young is a published author of The PH Miracle, a diet designed to alkalinize the body. The charges allege Young and his cohorts went beyond advocating dietary changes and used intravenous treatments on patients housed in Young's Avocado Ranch and Valley Center. Young came to prominence after appearances on Oprah centered on his treatment for Kim Tinkum for breast cancer. Tinkum and Young both claimed that he had cured her, but she died of her disease shortly afterwards. According to the Medical Board of California, chronically ill patients were paying Young up to $50,000 for his treatments. In a similar criminal case prosecuted earlier this year, Keith Barton, a La Mesa man, was convicted of multiple counts of practicing medicine without a license and grand theft for offering a bogus cure for HIV and cancer. Barton called himself Dr. Barton and promised to cure a woman and her children of HIV. One of the children subsequently died as a result of not receiving effective treatment. The victim paid Barton $18,000 for the treatment. Barton is not, a is not licensed, but shares his name with a real medical doctor who is licensed in California. Previous prosecutions include Kathleen Helms, a San Diego woman who posed as a doctor and offered patients non-FDA approved DMSO infusions as alternative remedies for autoimmune disorders. And 75-year-old Kurt Walter Donsbach, 
who pleaded guilty to 13 felony charges, including practicing medicine without a license and selling misbranded drugs. A doctor and an attorney, the final two defendants in a 19 co-defendant case have been convicted for their role in the largest medical fraud prosecution in the nation. The two recruited thousands of healthy patients to undergo unnecessary and dangerous surgeries in order to fraudulently bill insurance companies. 65-year-old attorney Roy Chester Dixon from Yorba Linda pleaded guilty to one felony count of money laundering and one felony count of grand theft with white-collar crime sentencing enhancements. In the same case, Dickinson was found guilty by a jury in 2012 of two felony counts of filing a false personal tax return and was sentenced to two years and eight months in state prison and $41,629 restitution on a tax conviction. 66-year-old Dr. Mario Rosenberg pleaded no low contendere to two felony counts of insurance fraud and white-collar crime sentencing enhancements. He faces a maximum sentence of 10 years in state prison. The defendants participated in a $154 million medical insurance fraud scheme that recruited nearly 3,000 healthy people from all over the country to receive unnecessary surgeries in exchange for money or low-cost cosmetic surgery. And in medical news, people wondering how much their new artificial hip will cost probably won't find the answer from the surgeon. Researchers surveyed 503 orthopedic surgeons and found that doctors could only accurately estimate the price of implantable medical devices between 17 and 21% of the time. Over 100 and $50 billion is spent every year on medical devices in the United States. The devices themselves are often the most expensive part of surgery, and prices of comparable devices can vary, even if they're equally effective. Orthopedic surgeons have been asked to help conserve resources by considering the price of devices. But there are several barriers to that information. Some hospitals sign agreements with vendors not to disclose the price they pay for devices and the prices may vary, even between hospitals and change over time. Also, surgeons don't usually have a need to know the prices. But surgeons may become more knowledgeable about prices as accountable care organizations, or ACOS, become more popular and doctors are incentivized to keep costs down. ACOS bring together doctors, hospitals, and other players in the healthcare system to care for patients in an effort to bring down costs. And in other news, Sedgwick Claims Management Services announced that private equity firm Kohlberg Kravis Roberts, together with Sedgwick's management, have agreed to acquire a majority stake in the company for about $2.4 billion. The majority stake will be acquired from the company's current group of investors that includes private equity firms Hellman and Friedman LLC, and Stone Point Capital LLC. In 2010, Stone Point Capital and Hellman and Friedman acquired Sedgwick from Fidelity National Financial for about $1.1 billion. Prior to that, Sedgwick was owned by insurance brokerage and risk management company Marsh and McClellan Companies Incorporated. The transaction is expected to close during the first quarter of 2014. 
David North, president and CEO of Sedgwick, said he could not ask for a better partner in the next stage of Sedgwick's evolution. Sedgwick will be KKR's second acquisition of a claim service provider in a span of only four months. In September 2013, KKR agreed to buy privately held automotive claim services provider Mitchell International Incorporated from private equity firm Aurora Capital Group in a deal valued at more than $1 billion. On an annual basis, Sedgwick handles more than 2.1 million claims and has fiduciary responsibility for claim payments totaling more than $11 billion. The Division of Workers' Compensation, DWC, has announced that winners of the 2014 Carrie Nevins Community Service Award. This year's award recipient in Southern California is Pamela Faust, Zenith Vice President of Claims. Tom Rankin, State Compensation Insurance Fund Board of Directors and President Emeritus of the California Labor Federation, AFL-CIO, is a Northern California recipient. The awards will be presented at the upcoming 21st Annual DWC Educational Conference Luncheons. Pamela Faust has been involved in workers' compensation since 1978. She was a workers' compensation judge from 1985 to 2010 before joining Zenith. In 2010, she was awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Executive Committee of the State Bar's Workers' Compensation se Section for her body of work as an attorney and as a judge. Her seminal treatise, California Lean Claims and Workers' Compensation Cases, transformed how lean claims were litigated. Tom Rankin is regarded as an authority on workers' compensation law and on employment insurance and has been a key participant in every legislative effort to improve the workers' compensation system since 1983. He, he has served on the boards of many labor academic and research organizations and was a president of the California Labor Federation, AFL-CIO, from 1996 to 2004. The awards, which began in 2010, were renamed in memory and honor of Carrie Nevins, the acting administrative director who passed away in 2011. Well, that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcast and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm David Jimenez, a partner with Lloyd, Scarron and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and drop by again next week for more news.